Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Season 3 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today I have my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar. What up? And Janelle Wheeler. Hey, hey. What's up, guys? We, we're getting back into some movie stuff today. Uh, we were hoping to have some of our other official people with us to join us, two of our uh, fan-favorite guests, Mr. Brandon Davis or Mr. Charlie Ridgely. Both of them have big, important things to do, so they're not here today. But we are going to hold down their kind of review of Jungle Cruise, the new Disney movie coming to Disney Plus premiere access in theaters today, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. They had some thoughts to share because both BD and Charlie got to see Jungle Cruise and had thoughts, so we're going to share those with you in a minute. We're also going to talk about the new movie Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds' new uh, kind of video game-inspired movie. Me, if you've been watching Comic Book Nation social media, which you should, follow us on Twitter, at Comic Book Nation, if you're not already. Uh, Me, Janelle, and Matt went, and Charlie, and BD, and and some other comicbook.com people got to see Free Guy last night at a special screening, and we got reactions to share. So we're going to give you guys spoiler-free reactions To Free Guy, we'll have a full kind of review spoiler discussion on that next week because that comes out next week. We're also going to talk about the new Predator movie, Scarlett Johansson in the whole Black Widow lawsuit fiasco. I know Janelle has feelings about (laughs) And we're going to get into the uh, Suicide Squad. There's there's a lot of drama going on with the Suicide Squad franchise that we got to talk about, plus comics. A lot of stuff to get to today. So let's jump right in. All right, right at the top. Let's talk about Jungle Cruise. So today, Jungle Cruise is out starring, as I said, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt based on a uh, Disney theme park ride. And uh, Mr. Charlie Richley reviewed this for comicbook.com, and he gave it four out of five stars, which... Whoa. Wow, is, is that, Generous. Well, I mean, if you know anything about Charlie and if BD, I really wanted to have both BD and Charlie on here because they're great. They both have very insightful reviews, but they come from like the Siskel and Ebert of it all, like from two very different poles of opinion. Um, Charlie's very passionate, too. He likes something. Oh, yes. Charlie. Or hate something. (laughs) I love how diplomatic Janelle Wheeler is. That is a great diplomatic way of putting it. Charlie originally is very passionate when he 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 really enjoys something and he really stands tall. Or when he really hates something. (laughs) Yes. And he stands tall on both on both sides. So here's what Charlie said. I'll just give you the kind of Rotten Tomatoes snippet of it all. He says that Jungle Cruise is the adventure we've been waiting for. The kind of grand tale that reminds us of the movies that many of us love Movies that made us love movies in the first place. Hopefully it's the start of a new trend, bringing the long lost art of swashbuckling tent poles back to prominence once again. So basically, Charlie really enjoyed the kind of um, throwback, the swashbuckling adventure movies of the past. Everything from, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean to Romancing the Stone and things like that. Uh, you know, things set in the jungle with the exotic adventures and all that. Yeah. And he really went for it and really kind of enjoyed it. He really liked The Rock, even though, you know, he acknowledged The Rock might just be playing The Rock. Uh, it's still <laughs> fun. I mean, there's a reason why he's like the biggest movie star in the world. So it's enjoyable for it to see him and uh, him and Emily Blunt apparently have good bants. And so that's, you know, that's everything you want. So it's a big kind of adventure, Disney adventure movie. I think it's going to be good for the whole family. Uh, Brandon is like, you know, personal friends with The Rock, and he also very much <laughs> enjoyed it. I think he had the more measure take that if you kind of, this is the kind of movie you want, like a fun family adventure movie, then this is going to deliver and kind of deliver on that front. And that's just generally what we're hearing. So 
I'm guessing, so they would say it's probably worth the trip to the theater or the high dollar premium. It's, it's coming out. It's on Disney Plus, correct? Yeah, so on Disney Plus Premier Access, today. which infamous. Ooh, we got to get into that. But uh, yes, it is on Disney Plus Premier Access. And again, if you're, if you're, I think this is one of those movies where that's kind of per- per- uh, perfectly suited to the Premier Access option. Because anybody like me or Matt, and especially me, I have two kids and other people on staff have kids. If you're going to the movies and trying to cart two kids to the movies, pay for tickets for you, one other parent, two kids or more, plus concessions, then, yeah, that Disney Plus Premier Access $30 doesn't sound so bad. Ah, Chris Killian's here. What's up, Chris Killian's in the comments? Yes, Chris Killian. I wish you had seen Jungle Cruise could share your thoughts with us here, Chris Killian. We like you. We like you. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're not going to rank people. We like. We're not going to get into the whole Chris Killian BD feud. We're not. We're not taking any sides in that. But uh, what's up, Chris Killian? Um, yeah. So if you're a parent and, and you got a and you're thinking about a movie experience or something to do with your kids, like that thirty dollars Disney Plus premiere access to see The Rock and Emily Blunt take you on an adventure doesn't seem like a bad option at all. So. So I guess bottom line is who in the chat is actually going to go to the theater or get this on Disney Plus, and then will you guys be doing this or? Are you going to wait for it to go free streaming? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, will this be another Black Widow or will this be just like another Mulan? We'll see. So Brywood says no. <laughs> yeah, that's a quick, um, concise answer. Nope. I think that I will probably I, I might rent this like if if it's this hot outside and I can't like do a lot right now, I might I might watch it on Disney and just bite the bullet, order some takeout, make a night, like a date night out of it. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been circling it. My hand's been circling it. (laughs) I did black widow on premiere access despite, you know, you know, and I'm not regretting that at all. Like, I, yeah, well, that's the thing. I did the same thing for it. Like I did the, I paid the 30 bucks and uh, you know, I didn't regret my decision after that. I mean, like jungle cruise is not, a movie more for the reasons that like Kofi said, like it's about getting schedules figured out and making sure that like someone's home to look after the kiddo or, or we're going to take her, like we're not going to take her out there. Right. So like that's $30 peace of mind and, and convenience. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Jungle Cruise isn't like the movie that's like, I have to see on the big screen. So like, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I'm glad people are, are digging. I will be, I, I honestly thought when this movie was nearing its, like review embargo and stuff like that, that it would be one of those where it was critically punched a lot, but it would be an audience favorite. Like if we're using the Rotten Tomatoes type scale, uh, I, I expected that. So the fact that it's getting so many positive reviews, yeah. I believe so anyway, is good. I feel like that's good for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it because I grew up going on that ride. Obviously, Jungle I'm Cruise. from Orlando. So yeah, it was it was a fun ride. I, I mean, me. obviously you are from Orlando, yes. Um, yeah all right so that's it for jungle cruise that's on disney plus premiere access and out in theaters now you guys can check out charlie ridgely's full review on comicbook.com movies he he really goes in and breaks down a lot of a lot of the uh finer points about this so you can see if it's for you or not check that out all right moving right along like i said uh comic book nation we got a rare date night out at the movies last night uh so (laughs) me janelle and matt all Ended up not only going to the movies together, but somehow parked next to each other. As, as <laughs> in a line. Yeah. In a line in the parking lot. Um, but we got to go out and see uh, Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds movie. Uh, at, that's basically like one of those last holdovers from Fox before they got acquired by Disney. Um, and it's about Reynolds playing an NPC, non-playable character in a game who kind of comes to life in this kind of sim city video you know grand theft auto style video game and changes you know everything you know going on with that and so we got to see that and uh, like i said it's coming out next week in theater so we're just here to give you some spoiler free reactions no worries we're not gonna spoil anything for free guy but uh, i think i told matt after the movie like wow this is like the batman Fortnite of movies like in that that's exactly what i was thinking yeah i was literally thinking that the whole time i love that you say that kofi i can't believe we didn't yeah, chat well, about that. Well, that's why we're a squad now. You know, yes. we all gel. We all, like, we all think like that. Fortnite all we all over park this. alike. We all think alike. You know <laughs> how it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, in that, it, it was way more enjoyable than I thought it had any right to be at any given time. <laughs> yes. 
And I was just pleasantly so pleasantly surprised by that. I was like, really? Like Free Guy is like, but Free Guy is like just a classic like movie adventure experience that is really kind of charming and fun and unexpectedly more funny than I thought it would be. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, it's probably Ryan Reynolds, like for me, best performance since like the early kind of Van Wilder days where he kind of really cut that his shtick together and, and got that Ryan Reynolds of it all together. Uh, but it, it's really good. And if you're a gamer, like a, in a hardcore gamer, there's a lot of like so fun Easter eggs and depths or a streamer. If yeah. you're like really yeah. involved on Twitch yeah. or like YouTube gaming, you're going to be like, what? Like, cause I did that several times. Like, Oh my God. Like, and I don't want to yeah. say what they were, but there no, are certain no. cameos no, they, and things that are just like, Oh yeah, my gosh, the movie so has fun cameos, both obvious and hidden and a lot of Easter eggs. And like Janelle said, like if you're a streamer or you're a gamer, like there's a lot, you're going to enjoy it on a lot more level, but just as a blockbuster movie experience, this is just a really good, fun kind of feel good movie. Uh, and it's like, in some ways it's like what ready player one wanted to be, but like, right. I was going to bring, concept, I was gonna yeah. bring that up of like, I think that, well, okay. Well, two things, one, and you mentioned it, the, the, the action in this, I was surprised. I wasn't expecting that much, but like there are several sequences in here, just like action sequences that are really fun and impressive. Like they're actually really well done. They keep the energy up. You're, you're, you're invested. Uh, and I was, I did, I did not expect that. And two, I will say, I will piggyback on your Ryan Reynolds point because I, this is one of his best comedic recent performances but i also really think this is one of his best uh i will i I don't even know how to really characterize it i mean i will i will say this is probably one of his best emotional performances as well there's some stuff i got emotional yeah that like he like he goes beyond the kind of surface of what you could probably get away with in a movie like this and makes you feel like it makes you like he got he got that from me. And I was like, I did not expect that coming in the free guy and seeing someone in the trailer like miss a giant wrecking ball. Like I wasn't expecting that kind of character work uh, in this. And I, and I thought the cast was really uh, was was great overall. Um, you know, I have a couple of nitpicks here and there, but like I, I came out just like with a smile on my face. I thought yeah. it was fun. Uh, to add to it, like the Ready Player One thing, like can't even hold a candle to this movie, in my opinion. I was really excited about Ready Player One. I read the books and I was so like not moved by that film. And I don't feel like there was any uh, humor or anything really creative or any references to like real like in our IRL world right now, existing content creators and games and things that like you can really relate to. So it, it felt just too far off, like too away from, from like the reality that we are in with the gaming and stuff like yeah. that. So this just felt so relatable and exciting. I loved it. And yeah. by the way, Ian, yes, Jody is awesome. Yeah, the cast in this, I mean, Steve Harrington from Stranger Things, Jodie Comer from Killing Eve, who I didn't recognize because she looks so much like younger in this. Yeah. Like, and just like completely nails that kind of geek girl gamer look type deal. And I was just like, wait, it was like blowing my mind. I was like, this is Jodie Comer. Like, and then right. she gets in the game and like the scene in the trailer. And yeah. it's just like this complete badass. And you're just like, oh, my God, like it works on every. Yeah, she level. like her and like Ryan Reynolds are really good. And Steve Harrington really carries like a, a major part of this movie, too. So very good, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and not just his hair. Uh, like he, he does great <laughs> Yeah, there's, no, the unexpected, <laughs> there's unexpected levels of character work in this that you right. like. This movie seems like it'd be just like a dumb, fun movie, but people really put some real acting in this. Little Rel, man. Little Rel, yeah. And, scenes, and uh, what's his name? Here. The guy who plays the other programmer. I always forget his name. But um, Oh, man. Yeah, I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, he's really yeah, funny in this and, and really good, too. And everybody has depth. Like, all the characters have depth. They're not, like, one note or anything. Even Taika Watiti is, like, the kind of villain of this is really good. Um, yeah, so Free Guy is like the Batman Fortnite of movies. Really unexpectedly, pleasantly surprising. I would actually recommend people go out to theaters and really see this. Yeah, and, and yeah same. Time. This is like what you want in summer movies, man. Like, and, you know, yep. outside of a franchise, like just a new novel kind of movie experience. And Ryan Reynolds really and everybody else carries this. So good job. All right. That's free going up. Let's talk about some Predator movie details Predator. real quick. So on the low, there's been this new Predator movie that's actually like an old Predator movie that's been kind of creeping up. Uh, and Dan Trachtenberg, baby. Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg's been working on this for a while, 
And uh, he's the guy who did um, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was so, supposed to do that Uncharted movie, dang it. I'm yeah, that, that would have been awesome. And so Trackenberg's like, yeah, he makes these really good kind of, I mean, just in the same way as Free Guy, like really kind of fulfilling and, and rich kind of genre movie experiences, like 10 Cloverfield Lane, another one, just out of nowhere, unexpectedly good movie. And uh, he came up with this concept of a new Predator movie that we've been kind of hearing rumors about, but it, now we got kind of more details from it. And we're hearing that the movie is going to be called Skull, and it will be kind of this concept of like a Predator origin story in the sense that it's a Predator origin story for how the Predators came to Earth first. Uh, Love that. Yeah, back in this time... And we've heard that it was going to be kind of in, in you know, ancient American times, uh, Native American kind of focused. They got my girl from, I forget her name right now, from uh, Legion was rumored to be tapped for it, who played uh, that badass kind of um, mutant who shared a body with a dude. You know, I forget her name. Oh, man, I'm just uh, I'm choking up here. I can't remember her name. Anybody? Anybody in the comments? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, uh, Amber Mid Thunder. Thank you. No, I got it. Thanks, thanks, Chris Chipperson. Maybe I should hire you as a co-host. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know it Amber, either. I know. Add I another. We can have a fourth in here. Come oh, on in. Man. That sounds really worse than it meant. But anyway, Amber Mid Thunder is you know reportedly being tapped because she is you know native of Native American heritage, and it was going to be. Female focus since the first time since Sinai Lathan did uh, AVP, but they kind of confirmed that, you know, it's going to be called Skull, that it will be kind of female focused. And so it basically is confirmation that what we've heard is true, which is that it will be about, you know, ancient Native American tribe and this unique kind of female warrior among the tribe who gets targeted by, you know, a predator. And it will be kind of a more old world predator story, you know, bows, arrows, horses, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's the thing that appealed to me most about their description was that it's really, I mean, when, when he went, uh, the producer went on to talk about like comparisons and saying like, this was, this would be like ranking them all. He feels like we're at the second best, like outside of like the original film feels like they finally found the formula, which is just like, somebody in this case a woman leading the movie uh which are also excited about but like seeing someone just like trying to macgyver stuff and go up against this very superior being like down to its essence that's what they want to do with this and like if they can capture that you know how many predator movies have we had now so Uh, (laughs) um we've had predator one two AVP, AVPR, uh, Predators, um, <laughs> the, so many. the Predator. I think all together we're up to six. I think this is like seven. Good so, Lord. So if they can get it right this time, we'll be no on a good idea. path, right? And we can just pick up from here. And I'm just excited that, you know, I feel like Trachtenberg is a good choice to tell. Yeah, that I, I feel like I don't remember if I made this up or or I heard this as a concept is like somebody going back to just like the end of Predator with Arnold in the, in the mud, covered in the mud, you know, having to use nature and all that and that kind of being the springboard for this kind of idea. But everybody does dig that Predator original Predator finale. So seeing that as an entire movie concept. Uh, I would like to see like, you know, what was that really? Le- oh, my God, I'm really failing today. Um, <laughs> that Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Uh, the really oh, hardcore oh, one, a uh, Revenant. Yeah, the Revenant yeah. style Predator. Yeah, that would be. That's crazy. I know stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you earned your keep. Yeah, also, Matt, Mid, okay. I also, to myself. Mid Thunder is a badass name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an right. amazing name. Yeah, oh and God. all she's been doing is playing badasses. So that's now she's awesome. gonna be another badass, you know, warrior. So <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. All right, we're gonna take a break, pay some bills, but when we come back. We are going to talk about this Black Widow lawsuit. Oh, yeah, we are. And the drama going on in the Suicide Squad franchise and new comics. So stay tuned for all of it. (laughs) 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back, everyone, Comic Book Nation. We're about to get into this Scarlett Johansson Black Widow lawsuit. So if you guys have been living under a rock for the last day or so, (laughs) Scarlett Johansson and her legal team filed a lawsuit against Disney regarding Black Widow's release on Disney Plus Premier Access. Now, at first, this news came out fast and people started uh, reacting and saying things, but there, there is a bit to it. Uh, it seems from what we're kind of been able to unearth since the initial reports is that, you know, there was an opportunity for Disney to kind of renegotiate with Scarlett Johansson when in COVID and this whole kind of interruption to Black Widow's release plans hit. That didn't go through or didn't get done in a way that Scarlett and her legal team feel was satisfactory for when Disney then you know, begins collecting these massive profits from Disney plus premier access purchases of black widow. I have that about right. Janelle, you've been fact checking this real carefully, right? I mean, kind of, I've been really like, I, I have, I'm so neutral here. I just literally sent out a tweet. I was like, okay, Hey guys, I, this is what's going on. Help me see her side of the story. Because I feel like if you just read ScarJo, Sue's Marvel and Disney or whatever, it's very easy to get triggered and frustrated right. by that because you see. look, yeah, you look like you look at a millionaire and you look at someone getting to play a dream role that like we would all just sell our souls to play. Like I would do it for free and you're like, be grateful and COVID happened. And, but I think what's important is to open up a dialogue if it's like bothering you. So that's that's what was happening with me. I was frustrated by it. I was like, wow, that just seems so ungrateful. She's not taking into account everyone who has lost so much during COVID. That's awfully selfish of her. She still got $20 million in her pocket and she got to be Black Widow. This is her right. last project on Disney and with Marvel and the fans love her. And now she's going out on a sour note and that really sucks for fans of Black Widow and whatever and her role. But then I started digging and then people started giving me the information and it's been quite illuminating uh, when you realize that, yes, like all of these HBO films that were released, you know, against the wishes of the studios and whoever made these HBO films, they were renegotiated Mm -hmm. um, before prior to release. So the actors were happy, the studio, like everything was properly done so that all parties could be comfortable and to, to see like that not happen with Disney is, is really frustrating. I'm sure. And like, as a woman, she's fought so hard to like get this place in the MCU and, you know, exercise that like, I am important. I'm just as important as Iron Man. I'm just as important as Thor. Like, let me have my moment and I want to make the same money that they're making and all of that to kind of deny her that, it sucks. Like, and so I do see both sides and I'm just curious. I I have a whole thread on Twitter and I have an IG story where I just want to hear other people's opinions. And most people are saying, I don't care. I I love her still. I'm on her side. That's what I'm getting more of. Here's here's the thing. The one thing I do have a problem in all this is the people bringing the COVID of it all into it. Like, I, I get it, like, but we, 
I've had a problem because Disney did this and I've saw other comments saying like, oh, you should be this way because of COVID. Like, right. Relax. Everybody needs to kind of relax to that. Like in general, like I don't usually PSA up here, but like you don't know what everybody's been through in the last year. Mm -hmm. Everybody dictating how everybody should come out of this and now act and what their worldview should be after COVID. Relax. Or we should all just be grateful yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah. People have you have no idea what Agreed. everybody has been through individually in the last year and what people are still trying to deal with, whether right. it's loss, interruption of life, just the psychological and mental health effects of what have happened. Yeah, we got to relax on that because Disney put that out in a statement like it's yeah, a shame was, after yeah. COVID that she can't be more. Yo, that's it is that weird. Was, like, it's one thing if the fans really say the it. Wrong way. Yeah, it's yeah. one thing for the fans to say it. It's another for like the like Disney to be yeah. like, hey, we're right. gonna we're gonna like try to make you look bad. And does that is that borderline like no, that rubbed me really the wrong way when they started bringing yeah. COVID. In, it's like Disney, you have the money to be donating some. Well, that also, uh, your parks this. are yeah. open. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, like, that, was a very, <laughs> that was a very Activision-esque response. And I would not yeah. be surprised if we they get a apology yeah. in a couple days after this kind of more stuff develops here. Because that was a bad initial statement. Like, yeah, that was that not, was, that was not it, a it came, good it wasn't a good look. That was a tone deaf thing. And I mean, I, say, I made the right image for that, for that <laughs> article about that. Statement, which was angry Mickey Mouse just like glaring at yeah. And I will say like to Janelle's point, because I think it's I think it's important, right? So like me and Anisa were having this conversation, right? And I was like telling her about what would happen. Like her first response, like her first thought was like I really don't care because it's not like this affects me in any in any kind of way. We have we have our very local problems, right? Like I'm not concerned about what ScarJo is making or not making or whatever. We're trying to keep the kid from eating cardboard. Like that's our first that's our first thought, right? I love that. So, but that's like very true. And then she went, but after like I explained kind of the whatever, she was like, but I also understand that like where she's coming from and and she's probably right and like my thing is uh and that was why i tweeted uh that whole thing about like the key concept here is not take take whether or not out of your discussion because it doesn't matter this is a contractual business arrangement okay there was a contract and when you alter things especially when they very specifically in the in the suit say that like the deal was for theatrical only that was part of the deal so when you go to make a change to that and her team says anyway, alleges that they reached out multiple times to Disney. Even they reached out when they thought it might happen even before COVID. And then they reached out during as more and more studios started to do that, especially like Warner Brothers. And they never got a response. And, you know, at that point, it's like, OK, you're either just ignoring them willfully <laughs> or because you don't want to do anything about it or you're so backed up and it's just an organizational mess, which whichever one of those are, both are bad, but like, but if it was an organizational mess, they could have said that they yeah. were like, we but they, messed but up. they never responded. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. Warner brothers paid out 200 million plus to yeah. adjust contracts and everybody's not happy. It's just like, Hey, what can we, here's yeah. what we yeah, can do. We're trying like, to get a solution. Compromise means you get a little happy. happy, but you're not all the way. Right. And, and Johansson hasn't had as many chances um, to get like those very lucrative back end deals that Evans, that Downey, that like Hemsworth, they've all had those time and time again, especially Downey because he's been mm -hmm. here the longest. Right. So he's, yeah. he's making 50 million plus just on the back end of his Avengers movies. And those aren't even his movies, right? So yeah. in this case, it's like, look, I'm not going to get in someone's way in getting their money. It's a, it's a, like the same thing for like anybody trying to like, I'm not going to be the one to like, no, that's enough. Whether you're a millionaire or you're working <laughs> right. at Walmart. Like, I'm not going to get it. And if you had a contract. Payment for what you did. Yeah. Right, you had a yeah. damn contract. And if they didn't even try to do that and like go, hey, we know we're going to do this. It's not about whether or not she should have. It's like, you're damn right. You got to bring that up to somebody because I would. Because like, even if it was 10 million out of that 50 million or whatever, at least we came to a some kind of deal and that's what we could get out of it. So like, you know, so far anyway, if what that team alleges happened, 
then like I'm understand where she's coming from. Yeah. Me and my brothers were talking about this in the thread. And the thing I said is I think that people are also underestimating. Maybe I think people are thinking like Scar Joe's greedy and this like that. First of all, that lady's pregnant. She, she's got another kid on the way. Man. Oh my God. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. You get the bag. <laughs> that, that changes. And you get the bag when you, when you, well, she also can't this. work. You yeah. have to think about that. Exactly. But um, I also think that there's, people are underestimating maybe how she's viewing herself and what she represents in this situation, because like it it is bold to do this to Disney, like to stand up to Disney and do this. And you got to wonder, like there might, she may be self-aware enough to know that like, she's basically like the only actress maybe on the planet right now who has enough clout to do this and, you know, maybe win. And This is a pivotal case and it's more pivotal than people are really maybe acknowledging at first because this does affect things and it may affect you one day if you plan to do anything in entertainment right now. Because at at the moment, like this streaming stuff is the Wild West across the board, not just in movies. Not but movies, television, music. You want to get into that? Yeah. Oh God. The streaming is the (laughs) wild freaking west, and it's one where the artists right now are getting jerked, like pure and simple, like because it happened so fast, and nothing has been adjusted. Business is still structured as usual, and what corporations have tried to do is just keep streaming as like, oh, this is just not a new thing, so we're not going to pay you for this new thing, or make it so absurd that it's like I think in music it's something absurd, like one hundred fifty thousand streams is like it's three insane. cents it's yeah. something really insane it's really just affecting the songwriters which yeah, is exactly sad because songwriters aren't millionaires <laughs> exactly and it's just like it's affecting everything so this is a case that this is the next big thing to be settled in entertainment since like the big studio systems or yeah. or conglomerate record companies were broken up and, and that whole thing was changed COVID just shortened the window yeah exactly it was always going to happen with all these streaming services. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we went through a rapid evolution during COVID and, and drastic decisions had to be made. And people were trying to make them and just keep this ball rolling. Like, OK, now let's just get rolling. And I'm sure that's what Disney did. They didn't answer those emails because they were like, if we just don't deal with this and get it done, like and get to this point, like, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Right. And ScarJo might know that, like. This, yeah, she's got, this is the time to like, you know, symbolically make that stand, not just for herself, but for the industry and get like the industry behind her. Because Mm -hmm. if she wins, like other actors now have legal precedent to go in and get a bigger bag out of streaming. Right. To say like new report says she might not be the only one, right? Because Emma Stone might be considering that. She's getting a ball rolling. She is the most visible and like famous and high paid actress in the world. And if she gets jerked on this, that means everybody else behind her gets jerked on this. And if she doesn't get jerked on this and stands up and whether it's a settlement or anything, like she might help redefine how this goes forward for the entire industry, because yeah, now we might have to have some talks about that streaming and the cuts and what you get from it. You it's know, just interesting right seeing the all the responses, like the Disney response. But then, like you, you, you brought this to my attention. I hadn't seen it yet. The Feige, like what he's saying, it's it's interesting because I feel like he has her back a little bit on this. Yeah, that report of uh, him essentially being quite angry uh, with the sudden switch, anyway, and then for if those are to be believed, then it was like he wanted them to work with her. <laughs> and they didn't. And well, yeah. so, yeah. Kevin Feige has smartly and famously been a producer who takes care of his artists and looks out for his people. And people like you don't hear people saying anything bad. All you hear bad producer talk all the time, but not about Kevin Feige. Mm-mm. Right. Like people of all kinds across the board say that like Kevin Feige takes care of them. They like him and he is artist friendly. So yeah, I would imagine like when this hard kind of executive move is pulled, he's not pretty happy right now. He's probably like in, in, in not just as a person who's a good person, but like, as a producer who's running a brand that takes care of its artists and is promoting inclusivity and diversity and doing all that stuff right now. And it's like, yeah, we're going to screw our one biggest female star out of some money and do all this. Like that looks bad, right? Like that's not good for the brand either. So mm-hmm. yeah, I imagine he's very much unhappy with this. And 
Jim is in the comments. What up, Jim Viscardi? Uh, <laughs> producer Jim Viscardi. Talk about other good producers. Let's let's give Jim. Oh, look at that! Bravo, yeah. Jim. He takes care of his artists too. We're we're all still here on this podcast. And he brings Three up seasons. a good point. He says, but it's also going to be cheaper for Disney to settle than to renegotiate her Marvel deal, which That's, I do see that yeah. happening. I think we yeah. can all agree that they're just going to probably settle. Oh yeah. yeah, but again, even a settlement opens the door a little bit mm-hmm. for people to come in after this and say. No, no more of this Netflix stuff. You don't just pay me up front and then you keep all the rest of the money. Mm -hmm. We all see how this streaming stuff is going to work now. Like the upfront money is chump change. Like I want part of the longer streams, like the end. Because I mean, really the way streaming works and and they haven't really added this and this is just free game I'm going to give away is people don't account for like the resurgences, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we, in this, having worked here, we now know there are definite patterns of resurgence in things. Like something new comes out and then something pops on streaming all yeah. over. And those streams come back all over again. Movies 10 years old, you know, the series is 10 years. It doesn't matter. Like yep. because of the circular nature of entertainment and reboots and things, things pop again, become relevant again, come up from Avatar, the last airbender to the office to like 30, you know, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And people are not getting a part of that money. Nope. And, oh my yeah. gosh. I didn't even think about that. And yeah. so like, wow. yeah, there's, we are, they have not gone back and revised all this for the new reality, but that time is coming and ScarJo might help push that boulder uphill a little bit. The bottom line is, you know, we're fans and we want the studios to be happy. We want everyone to get along. Like we want Marvel and Disney to be rocking and rolling. And this is like the first, I feel, big hiccup between Marvel and, you know, Disney. And I don't like to see that. Like, I don't want to see... Mom and dad don't fight. I don't want it. Yeah, I, I want it. I want them to be really happy. I mean, they've had so much success with Loki and WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. And it, it just felt like it was just going so well. Like, but there was there's trouble in paradise. And you could kind of tell in some of ScarJo's interviews f- for Black Widow, she just seemed not quite pumped about something and and now when i go back and i watch her interviews she's just kind of smug you know she's kind of like mm-hmm, yeah and it's it's wow it's really enlightening to see because she probably had that in the back of her mind and it really probably messed up her own excitement about the film and stuff like that yeah chris martin christopher martin in the comments i mean yeah dave chappelle is another person who really recently took this stand and mm. and won i mean he he yeah when he started putting Chappelle show on every streaming service everywhere and he was only getting, you know, so much of that money. He, I mean, he just made the bold move. He went online, just told him, take it down. Like, fine. I don't want, I don't want the publicity. Just take it down. Yeah. And he had him take it down and then they renegotiated and now and he's getting dressed in an SNL yeah. monologue. Yeah. <laughs> Did it in the most public way possible. Yeah. They made it part of awesome. his act, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's good comedy right there. But um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And then we're going to follow and talk about this because people in the comments, you guys have a lot of good opinions and some smart insights. So uh, thank you for dropping those in. All right. So that's Marvel's drama. Let's go over to DC's drama. Oh, hey, gosh. <laughs> There's a little bit of get bad with DC as always. There's a little bit of bad and a little bit of good. So the Suicide Squad is now out and it's having a good first initial kind of wave of reviews. Our own Brandon Davis saw it and said, you know, he can read his review uh, on comicbook.com DC. And he really loved it and said, it's just, you know, totally a James Gunn kind of vision and a project and violent and funny and crazy and weird and gross at times and just a lot of fun which is the bottom line a lot of fun and you know people have generally across the board said that it's gotten it launched with a perfect score on rotten tomatoes and critics of all kinds seem to enjoy it saying that even the critics who think this kind of comic book movie stuff is dumb and it's kind of juvenile the kind of movie made said still fun still like a fun movie and improvement on the original Suicide Squad. Well, that's where things get to kind of run in a little too far because people have been, of course, it's inevitable that a movie, and I still think the title of this movie is a slap in the face of the previous one because it's the Suicide Squad as if it's official and the other one is not. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons inevitably to the 2016 film uh, that was directed by David Ayer and people have been going in on social media. Well, one person went in on social media 
And David, I mean, apparently David was a critic it, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was a critic. I wasn't going to mention, I'm not mentioning <laughs> names. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they're the only people who have seen the Suicide Squad. So, yeah. And so that a critic went in on Twitter and made a comment about it and made a comment about David Ayer should just abandon his director's cut scenes. Uh, yeah. And basically just saying because of James Gunn's movie, we should just stop talking about the old Suicide Squad, essentially. Well, David Ayer felt, I mean, he took it like that Michael Jordan last dance meme. You know, he took that personally and he released a whole statement under just a thread that said, my turn. And we'll just read the highlight that we put in into our article at comicbook.com. It said, I put my life into the Suicide Squad. I made something amazing. My cut is intricate and emotional journey with some bad people who are sugar, honey, iced tea and disregarded a theme that resonates in my soul. The studio cut is not my movie. Read that again. And my cut is not the 10 week director's cut. It's a fully mature edit by Lee Smith standing on the incredible work by John Gilroy. It's all Stephen Price's brilliant score with not a single radio song in the whole thing. It has traditional character arcs, amazing performances, a solid third act resolution. A handful of people have seen it. And he goes on. I mean, there's a much bigger statement. There. He's saying like, if, if anybody's saying they've seen it, like they're lying. Yeah. You know, and also he went on to say, I mean, this is very emotional for him. You can tell because the first entire like page and a half is about how he was brought like his upbringing his drug use the death of his father due to suicide like it it's very very close and i think that's why he takes it so personally because he feels so aligned with these characters who were kind of rejected by society and people gave up on them and then they can go and have the, this like secondary chance to be heroes. And I, I think that he was really passionate about this project by reading. He this statement. was, I, I sat down with David Ayer for when he released his movie Fury, um, which is also an excellent film, which is a world war two tank film with like Shia LaBeouf and uh, Brad Pitt and some other people. And that was 2014. And I interviewed him and it was like days after he got hired for, for Suicide Squad. Oh. And I was like one of the first people who got to talk to him and, and ask him like, yo, you know, how do you feel about this property like that? And he told me like straight up how passionate he was. I think he has veterans in his family. Um, like, yeah, he was. He, he was really. Yeah, he served. He, he, he just had like a lot from, like you said, his personal struggles to his kind of military background to just everything that he was cooking up for this movie and doing all the research and reading all the comics. And like, yeah, he was super passionate and I was super happy when they cast him. And that 2016 Comic-Con trailer is still one of my favorite, like comic book movie trailers of all time. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch the original Suicide Squad comic, uh, Comic-Con 2016 kind of like preview trailer. It was the first time they showed anything from the film. And it is the only in my opinion, like visual evidence of what Ayer's cut really was and how it was. Because after that, they started throwing in the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, you know, trying to throw old rock tracks on it and doing all that stuff. And they, it was about then you lost it, but that first Comic-Con trailer really shows it. And so, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's no secret on here that I've been one of the kind of Snyder cut bros when I pushed really hard for that and really wanted to see that come out. And I jumped on the Ayer cut bandwagon too. I've been really about that, mostly because of that Comic-Con trailer and how much I believed in that project and wanted to see it. Um, and, And it sucks that he has to keep taking the hits now. And even... James Gunn has been very diplomatic about like, you know, showing him respect and, and all that and saying like, no, I didn't do this to like as a middle finger to David A or like at all. I just got hired. Yeah, he and even supported the statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and like, but people are going to do this and it sucks. Like I, I, I really do. I hated it for Snyder and I hate it for Ayer that those, the group of people at Warner brothers in that 2015, 2016, 2017 era get to have their names kind of more anonymous and all this while the filmmakers of like Batman V Superman and suicide squad have to get dragged like every day on social media for those films that the studio went in and, and just butchered and and did a Frankenstein on and put out in theaters. So I, yeah, I mean, I support Ayer in, I I mean, it, it is not a thing. It exists. 
I don't know what Warner Brothers is ever going to do, but I would just like again for the same reasons I wanted the Snyder Cut, just to respect the filmmaker and put out put out the thing on HBO Max and let fans see it. Like, but you know, that's neither here nor there. There's nothing I could do to rewrite that history. Here we are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm just uh, my biggest thing is um, because I, I I went to the one, once that statement came out, I went back towards like through the thread that led to that. <laughs> That, yeah, that, like where that statement kind of punctuated, and I was like, "Wow, um, I don't know." It's it's something that look, we're all guilty of it. Um, I know I've done it in the past and stuff, but I try not to, and it, I try not to applaud something while stepping on something else. So if I like something, I'm not going to find something else to trash as a comparison. For me, that's often lazy, and it's on Twitter and social media, a hell of a lot. And I, I've done it. I know I've done it in the past and stuff. And I, and I just, I try actively not to, but like that kind of stuff, it's like you get punched enough with that stuff. And yeah, like you want someone to, you're someone's going to respond. And especially with someone who, you know, put so much of himself into projects like training day, um, like fury, like those are, Ayer is a very, that kind of director. Like he puts a lot of himself, a lot of his past, a lot. It, it's very close to him. And I imagine Suicide Squad was the exact same way. Um, so that's unfortunate. And so like that was what I left more as like God. Like it did. It didn't help uh, not reinforce my like loathing of that. You know that just uh, uh, there, there's just a negative, pessimistic, cynical point of view that comes through a lot uh especially on twitter <laughs> and that and especially like why do you have to punch him to big up james gunn why can't you just say james gunn's is great why do you have to then go and david ayer is like the horrid most horrid director on the face of the earth you know what i mean like why do you have to do that to celebrate someone else it's lazy so yeah i was kind of glad he got called out I'm okay with it <laughs> <laughs> that's good i love your pettiness all right yeah, so i didn't say i wasn't petty i just said oh, no, I, to be negative. I, I fully support your pettiness i am not mad at your pettiness at all so it looks like what is it do we have both free guy and suicide squad next week yes we do oh Ladies my and gentlemen, gosh yay next oh, week's yay. show gonna be lit we have i can't wait movies. so we're gonna talk free guy and the suicide squad and the original suicide squad all next week so you guys be here for that. Right now, let's talk comics. Matt, take us away. Yes. Yeah, so uh, let's start with um, something kind of different. Uh, so Marvel is always up for their uh, alternate <laughs> worlds and, and realities. And so we have a new one uh, in the form of Amazing Fantasy number one. Uh, this has been teased for a while, actually, honestly. Could not remember. I thought this was supposed to come out like months ago. I might have just been off on that. Uh, but the first issue gives us uh, Spider-Man. Oh, by the way, spoilers incoming for these <laughs> comics before I dive into this stuff. Uh, so this one gives us Spider-Man, Captain America and Black Widow. Um, I do believe there are going to be other heroes involved, but like these are the, the three main people. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a it really does live up to its name. It really just kind of takes these characters that we know and love and sticks them in this surreal fantasy world full of dinosaurs and uh, other creatures and castles. And it's, it's very much like, I mean, look, we, we talked about masters of the universe recently. Uh, if you're that kind of fan and you also happen to like Marvel, it's probably a perfect uh, combining of the two for you. Um, and I mean, I thought the artwork was gorgeous um, and it's a limited series. So you don't have to get crazy invested. Uh, I think for me, the black widow, sections of this stuck out the most i thought that was just like the most effective uh and i and i thought it was just a really cool spin uh on this character uh i i really enjoyed it um not really what i was like i didn't really know what to expect when kind of going into this so i mean i can't say it wasn't what i expected when you don't expect anything but i dug it i ended up really liking it uh what'd you guys think I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of waiting to get more information because I I enjoy 
every storyline. I obviously know these heroes and I'm excited to see them in a different way, but I don't know. Did they go through a black hole? Like, was there a, like Dr. Who come in, throw them in the TARDIS and dump them somewhere else? Like, I don't, I really don't know what's going on. So I'm intrigued enough to keep reading and try to figure out like, Unless I missed something. Did I miss something? No, no, no. No, they did <laughs> okay. not explain it yet. So okay, like, good yeah. to know. And I, if that's if that's intentional, then I'm digging it. And um, I'm ready to kind of move forward and see where else it's going to go. Do you think it's just going to be with these heroes? Or do you think they're going to have more in there too? I expect, I, I swore I read somewhere that it was uh, during pre-interviews and stuff that there was going to be other heroes in the mix. So there's a chance of strange. So there's a chance of strange, but like (laughs) the second issue description also says like, make sure to spotlight that it's these three heroes. So if they do pop in, it probably won't be till later or in a cameo style. It seems like these three are the ones that we're following. Core, Cool. I mean, you're right about the black widow as well, though. That is definitely the coolest storyline. Yeah. Yeah, That was awesome. Kofi, what do you think? Um, I didn't actually not get to read this one and did not get to this one this week. I did. I don't, don't ask me how, don't ask me why, but like in my head, I made up what you said we were going to read. And so I like read a bunch of stuff. I read a lot of comics this week and then I got to here today and I was just like, I saw the list and I was like, what the hell is he talking? Uh, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm. Oh my God. Okay. So wait, so just to clarify, did you read Icon? Yes. Okay, so let's move to that one because I know you read that one. Uh, yeah. And then did you read the third one or not? I can't Black remember. Cat? No, yeah. I wasn't gonna, okay. but I wasn't going to read that. Oh, okay, that's fair. So, Icon, it was optional reading. Uh, yeah. Icon and Rocket Season 1. Uh, this is now the third, I believe, or it might be the second, but uh, with a third quickly approaching of the Milestone kind of yeah, rebirth uh, universe. Uh, this icon. is yeah, following the same season one template as Static. Uh, from what I remember, we all really liked Static, which also had a superb second issue as well, if you're not reading that. Um, oh, I loved Static. It was so good. So uh, that one's still going, and this one kind of launches these characters. Uh, I will say not as well-known as Static Shock, but like Static Shock is by far, to me anyway, the most popular uh, character in Milestone. So I feel like these guys are well-known, though, um, and pretty much tells a really interesting origin story. I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, I know, Kobe, I, I can't remember if uh, you had a love of Milestone from before. Or I did. Not. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, I grew up so on you're it. Probably a big, you're a bigger Milestone, probably, aficionado than me. So I'm more curious as to, like, what you thought. I... Like Static, I I think it takes me – I was so kind of brought into alternative comics through Milestone and, you know, especially as like a young black kid growing up in the 90s and not having that many comics that appealed directly to me and having this collection of really talented people from Dwayne McDuffie to everybody else Mm -hmm. kind of make these comics. Um, It really was impactful for me. And I love the kind of gritty, there was something very much that spoke to me to the kind of urban gritty vibe of them, of the brand that they did. And so it's always a little bit, it throws me a little bit to see these very polished kind of mainstream comic remakes of that stuff, but it doesn't mean I dislike it at all. I'm enjoying the kind of new stories that they're telling. And I think the storytelling is very interesting in both static and in this issue and I kind of really dug it. I dig the way they're kind of approaching Icon and the alienness of it all yeah. in, in, in this and the way you get into it from this kind of uh, what's that movie? Don't breathe style kind of <laughs> yeah. entry thing of the, oh, of the home break in to just this, you know, developing rocket and, and as a more kind of developed and interesting character. So I kind of really dug it. I, I'm not mad at this at all. Nice. Janelle, what do you think? Um, I feel like static is a little bit more relatable for me as a reader, um, just from my background, I kind of, you know, because it's set in like the school and, um, you know, anyways, I like, I like static a little bit more, but what really I wish and I want more of is the beginnings of icon, like those first few pages on the plantation with the adoptive parents, like that gave me goosebumps. I was First time I've ever seen anything like that in a comic book, like any acknowledgement of slavery. And it was just, that was 
awesome. Like, I'm like, can I have more of that backstory? Because that's so cool when it comes into the the acknowledgement, not slavery. What? I said the acknowledgement. No, I don't want more. Oh my God. No, but I would like, I would like a focus on that because (laughs) you're such a troll. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We we love you. I'm just messing. (laughs) And I don't even know I'm saying it half the time. So I'm like, but anyways, I would love more of the backstory because I don't know icon anything about icon and, uh, and uh, the break in and the burglary and the theft and all. I just, I, I don't really, like that, that was kind of, it got kind of like long for me. I'm like, okay, I get it. They're breaking in. Like, I get it. Like it's, it just seemed like it was dragging along, but that first part of that book was awesome. I loved it. See, I'm, 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 I'm there with you on the fact that like, because there's also another quick uh, flashback to like in Paris and I forget exactly when it ah, takes place, yes, but it takes place awesome further too. back. And yes. so I, I agree. I think those are actually like that seeing his history is the, one of the best parts of the issue. So I do hope in future issues, we kind of get more of that context. And then I also just really loved rockets whole ending part. So like the mm-hmm. beginning was really compelling and really interesting and hooked me. And then the end towards the end of the book was like, it grabbed me again. And I was like all in and, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, I kind of dragged in in the middle a little bit. Um, and not for any real reason other than just being like a little bit decompressed and probably could have been trimmed a little bit, but the end, once we get rocket and icon interacting on a personal level and like that whole back and forth, I thought was Reginald Hudlin uh, wrote this. And I thought it was really interesting that like, I love the the I love the rabbit eight mile of it all of presenting all the arguments ahead of time of like, well, and it's presenting it to the reader. Right. So, well, OK, if I go out there and I'm a superhero, they're just going to say this. And it's her bouncing back and like reacting with this kind of youthful energy that he is clearly, you know, doesn't hasn't had a long time. So I just I dug that and I like the banter. And so that is promising to me for future issues, because, of course, we're going to get them kind of as full superheroes later on. So I, yeah, I came away really digging this. Uh, I will say, I think Danny, the pug pointed it out um, that uh, let me see, where was it? Uh, uh, yes. Hardware uh, should have been the most popular milestone character. The the awesome part is, and I think that was the book I was conflating. So uh, hardware actually comes out, I think next week or the week after uh, and uh, Brandon Thomas is writing that one from what I remember. Uh, so that should actually, that that is promising. Uh, so, so far, I think they've really done a good job on these creative teams uh, for Milestone. So the last book we will get into, uh, I know it was a book me and Janelle really like. I know we didn't read it. So it's, <laughs> it's perfect. And also I saw in here um, a comment of like that it can be overwhelming to jump in. It was Crow, uh, I believe, um, who kind of said like, it's a little overwhelming. There's a lot on the racks. Trust me, I understand. I read a lot of comics every week <laughs> and it's and it's daunting and that's not all of the books that come out so like i get it uh i think actually like black hat is one of the a uh, very easily recommendable series uh even if you wanted to go back to the beginning of her previous run and jump in because of the way it interacts with the marvel universe whether even if you, you like black cat or not one i think jed mckay writes black cat really well but two it interacts with the universe a lot but it doesn't get derailed a lot of times by whatever is happening. It's still telling a very black cat and the immediate group story within those, even the King of black stuff still told a black cat, Dr. Strange story, as opposed to getting derailed by all the events. And, and here we have a start. This is actually a perfect jumping on point. If you wanted to jump on uh, black cat, number eight, we get the first part of this kind of next caper. Uh, I think, McKay just does this high stuff so well and uh you know seeing the back and forth with Nick Fury I I I really dug this issue I feel like some people probably will come away with like well who's that character at the end (laughs) if you haven't been reading uh some of the other Marvel books over the last like two years because that's a relatively recent character um but uh you know Janelle what do you think of this issue overall it's just an easy read, uh, enjoyable. Like it's not, I don't think it's like super memorable, but it, right. I, I liked it a lot. Like I thought it was, I, I enjoyed reading it. I sat down, I was like, oh, this is, oh, it's my girl. It's Black Cat. I love her. And I just, uh, I like seeing her 
and getting to know her a little bit better. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep reading this one for sure. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It's not like the issue that'll set the world on fire. Right. Absolutely not. But it's it's very much like setting up a thing. Also, it's yeah, still that, enjoyable. That character at the end. Um, did you know who that is? But no. Well? Okay. Uh-uh. So that's Star. Spoiler. Okay. We already said spoilers, so I'm fine. <laughs> that <laughs> Star, who kind of came up in a Captain Marvel run, she that's where she kind of was created in a Captain Marvel run. I have no idea how she got in a freezer blocker thing i have no idea they don't they haven't actually yeah. explained that because the last time we saw her she had the reality stone uh in her chest and she's uh, essentially like a if you kind of think honestly if you think wanda from wandavision style of like i can create and mess with reality and maybe i don't always have control of that that is what star Ooh, intriguing so the fact that she's stealing a person and this person is very powerful. And why is she like locked in this freezer thing? Because the last time we saw her uh, was a short story in Spider-Man, but also like Thunderbolts was the last time we saw her as part of a team. So there's a lot of mystery in between there. But yeah, a lot of good stuff this week, though, um, just outside of that. Um, and a lot, a lot of books that you can kind of jump into as a new reader. So I need to put together a list for that. Uh, but that's comics this week. Oh, he's talking and we can't hear <laughs> I, was, I thought I hit the mute button. I missed you it. didn't. I didn't. I missed it. Uh, thank you, Matt, uh, for running things from my quick cat nap. I'm just joking for people to comment. Um, yeah, yes, that was an eight mile reference. Yes, and we're gonna get out before we get out of here. I had some quick mentions. Uh, I've been watching this American Horror Stories on FX Hulu. In it, and I'm liking it. I actually like American Horror Story when you don't have the pressure of an entire season under a single theme. It's a lot easier to avoid kind of filler and, and all that crap. And just doing these as weekly like anthologies or one and two episode anthologies is really good. Uh, they did a Murder House one first and they did one about a drive-in movie theater with my boy from uh, Runaways. And then this week they did one about Bro House, which is kind of one of those Logan Paul style kind of yeah. prank team people where something goes wrong in, in their house. And it was kind of a Christmas theme one. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun to get like a new American horror story every week in a different cast and a different setup. And it's kind of like getting tales from the crypt and stuff like that under Ryan Murphy's banner. And uh, yeah, so check that out. Also, I just wanted to speak and just throw my two cents in and, and speak on this whole thing with uh, masters of the universe revelation we had Evan Valentine come on last week and do a review of it. I've seen it since. Uh, I know Matt and Janelle were kind of into it last week. Uh, and you know what? I'm not with the haters on this one. Like, I actually dug this. I'm not mad at Tila getting her own focus in a thing. They didn't call it He-Man for a reason. They called it Masters of the Universe <laughs> for a reason. Because the franchise was about more than just He-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the centerpiece but it is called masters of the universe, plural. Uh, and there's more of them. So Tila getting the focus and her relationship with like man in arms and Orco's whole thing, like all of that. I'm not mad at that at all. Like that was a new kind of take on the franchise that I'm, I'm not mad. And it was done by somebody who obviously had reverence for the eighties series and things like that. So yeah, I'm not mad about that. Um, um. I, yeah. I I totally brought this up last night. I totally forgot to throw it on our show notes, but Freaky, the movie Freaky on HBO. Oh, yeah. It's 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 gory and good. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit into it too. It's yeah, Vince Vaughn is great in the dual roles. Like, you know, um, just it's so weird to see him like not making sarcastic remarks at a wedding, you know, crasher movie it was just it was cool to see him in that role and it actually has what is it 84 percent on rotten tomatoes which is really surprising one no, of my freaky, favorite no, recent, was a success one yeah. of my yeah. favorite recent horror movies like nice. that, that was so fun it was ridiculous fun <laughs> yeah, no freaky was a successful one that's another bloom house bloom house walked away with a bag on that one because that thing cost like nothing to make and they made a bunch of movies or a bunch of money on it uh yeah so that was a uh, christopher landon who was uh done Paramormal, he's worked on a bunch of stuff. Happy Death Day too, and like yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah, he did. Uh, it's Christopher Landon, the Happy Death Day guy. Yeah, so he did Freaky, and yeah, so he's just kind of killing it himself. And I still want that Happy Death Day three. So let's make that happen because that that series went crazy. Hey, I'm curious. By the way, what is uh, what is the date on next Friday? Do we know that the sixth August sixth? Oh, yeah. so uh, so all my will leave with is a tease that uh, we will have some Titan stuff to talk about. 
Oh, God. Oh, we have so much next show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if this good. show was crap. We are going to have an awesome show next week where we talk about DC's Titan finally on HBO Max. And I see Suicide Squad that, on HBO Max. We might have Witch Nightmare of the Wolf. Oh, so, man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Yo, entertainment's coming back. I'm so happy. <laughs> We're, this show is going to be lit. Tune in. If you're just getting into it now, we are Comic Book Nation, official podcast of comicbook.com. We're live every Friday at noon. Live on Twitch, live on YouTube, live on Facebook. If you missed the show, you can rewatch there or download the audio on your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, which I did some research. We're going to still stump for Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher and uh, Google Podcasts and, or, and uh, yeah, all that stuff. You can tell any smart home device, download po- or play, po- uh, play Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll fire it up for you. If you like the show, leave us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We want to thank you guys. If you want to get into the show and follow us, we've been dropping fun updates and getting a lot more involved over on our Twitter handle at Comic Book Nation. So follow us there. You can follow me at Kofi Outlaw. You can follow me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can follow me at Janelle Wheeler. And that'll do it for this episode. We want you guys to have a good week. Hope you find some good content to watch and be sure to be with us next week because I'm not kidding. Like next week's show is actually going to be lit. We have a bunch of fun stuff to talk about and I'm so excited even now. See you guys then. Peace. Bye guys.